get your Bibles out this morning, turn with me to the book of John. And while you're turning with me to the book of John, let's get ready to get in the Word. How many of y'all are expecting about the Word this morning? Now listen, I know you've been cooped up in your house for a couple of days wondering what was going to happen, but now we're in church, so I need you to talk back to me this morning. Let's do this with some energy because expectation brings energy to the room. And let me help you with something. Every time we open up the Word, there should be an expectancy that that Word is for you. There is no Word in here you have ever heard. Ooh, that's a good word for you this morning. There is no word in this book you've ever heard. Yes, I have, Pastor. I've read the Bible. I've heard. No, there's no word in here you've ever heard. Want to know why that? Because every time we open the word, it is something brand new for us as believers. We should never get to a place where we are full grown enough to believe that we've gotten everything out of the word and that there is nothing left for us to get. That is the point that we become so grown in ourselves that we refuse to grow in God. Amen. So let's recap real quick. For the last two weeks, we've been in a series called I Am. And we started this series uh, two weeks ago where we started to declare over you that you needed to understand who Jesus was. A lot of people say they follow Jesus but have no idea who they're following. They've never taken the time to get to know who Jesus is. They've only taken the time to put their hand out to receive what they might get from Jesus. Amen. They, they, they live in a handout life rather than a godly living life and we need to understand who he is and so the first week we dealt with the woman at the well and we dealt with we dealt with the concept of in order to follow him you must know him this woman is sitting at the well Jesus has come down he's come to get water from the well he's thirsty and the woman who talked about the Messiah that was to come didn't even realize the Messiah was in the room let me give you a sidebar for just a second I think a lot of times in the church Jesus is in the house but we just don't even know it because we didn't come looking for Jesus. We came to play the church game of being church at 10 o'clock so we can pay our pendants because that's what good little Christians do. Good little church folk go to church on Sunday mornings, and if we don't go to church, we might feel guilty. Listen, I don't feel guilty for not going to church. I feel guilty for not spending time with Jesus. I feel guilty for not seeking the Father. I feel guilty for not, not spending time with him because I should desire as a son to spend time with God, my Father. But for some reason in the church today, we've not, we're coming in going, where is God? Where is God? God is only in the place that you expect him to be. Hmm. See, the woman at the well sat there and knew of a Messiah that was to come, but she had no expectation of his arrival. She was not expecting that that was the moment. Now is the moment. Now is the time. What does your Bible say? The Bible says that this is the day the Lord has made. What if you really woke up this morning and said, this is the day? But then we, can I just say this is a sidebar. This is what we do. This is the day for me to get this, 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 for me to get this. Rather than this is the day for the Lord to do this, for the Lord to do this, for the Lord to do this, for the Lord. There's an expectation that we should have. And so expectation comes out of knowing who he is. Then last week we dealt with the scripture where he says, I am the bread of life. Those who hunger for him shall never hunger again. Those who thirst for him shall never thirst again. We should have a desire to be with him, to feed with him, to receive that life that he has for us. Not just receive the church attendance, but receive the life that he has for us. Can I say this to you? If you eat the bread of life, it'll change your life. Hmm. If you eat the bread of life, it'll change your life. I've looked at people over the years, but Pastor, I go to church, but nothing changes. I worship, but nothing changes. I sing the songs, but nothing changes. I hear you preach, but nothing changes. Listen, I can't feed you. You have to eat from the bread of life. If you refuse to eat from the bread of life, this life that I'm declaring from this word, you'll never experience. You'll never walk in. You'll never obtain because you're trying to feed off of what's in me rather than feeding off of what's in him. 
He said, eat from the bread of life. I am the bread of life. So that brings us to now part three. John chapter 8, verse 12. I hope you have your Bibles this morning because that's how we grow in the kingdom. We grow through our word. The word changes everything. Can I get an amen from somebody? The book of John chapter 8, verse 12, it simply says this. Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you underline in your Bibles, underline that part of scripture. I am the light of the world. Pastor, I don't like to write my Bible. You might as well start. Amen. I know teachers told you in school, don't do it, but in this house, we do it. Amen. I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness. Help us, Jesus. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. Because you will have the light that leads to life. This morning, I simply want to minister to you, I am the light. But before I can deal with the declaration of I am the light of the world and how that affects you and I, we must first look at verse 13 and 14. The book of John verse eight, chapter 8, verse 13 and 14, it says this. The Pharisees replied, you are making those claims about yourself. Such testimony is not valid. Jesus told them, these claims are valid even though I make them about myself. For I know where I came from and where I am going, but you do not know this about me. The Pharisees, can I, can I give you a definition of what Pharisees are? Grown church folk. Full-grown church folk. I say this all the time. I don't like full-grown believers. People that come into the church and tell me everything but don't grow in anything. Tell me how things should be rather than being willing to grow in anything. Well, I've heard that word before. Pastor, I, I know that truth, but I don't see you living it. You can't know a truth and not live a truth and it be the truth. Because if you're not living the truth, then it's not the truth. Because if it was the truth, you'd be walking in it. But you say, but I know the truth. But if you know the truth, where's the fruit? Because all I'm seeing is dried up stuff rather than the fruit that comes from knowing the truth. The problem is, is in the church today, we come and say we know Jesus, but we really wouldn't know him if he sat next to us because we don't spend any time getting to know who he is. No wonder we don't have a sense of godliness in the church anymore. We don't have a Godhead in the church anymore. We're still looking for the brother. We're not, we're not changing this space. And he says, the Pharisees are looking going, you make these comments, but you don't need to brag about yourself. You don't need to talk about yourself. And Jesus just looks at him and says, look, man, these claims that I'm making about myself, I, I, I didn't make them. My father did. Because he says, I know where I came from. And I know where I'm going, which was saying was, I'm not here for your business. I'm here on my business that, the God sent, that God sent me to do. And he's standing in this moment, and he says in verse 14, I want to repeat it one more time. For I know where I came from and where I am going, but you do not know this about me. What if that's what Jesus is declaring in the church today? I know where I came from, and I know where I'm going, but you don't even know this about me. You haven't taken the time to know who I am, where I've come from. And you're not taking the time to find out where I'm going because this is what we do. Jesus, I know what you've come to do, but I didn't really want that. I want you to do this. I'm not really concerned who sent you. I'm concerned with what you'll do for me in the moment I exist in right now. And really, Jesus, I know you want me to go there, but I don't want to go down that, that, that path. I want to go down this path. And Jesus, I know you want me to be finished in eternity, but I would really like to live my best life now. Hmm. Can I just say this as a sidebar? Last night, my wife and I were sitting on the bed talking, and I told her, I said, I feel like a lot of times as a pastor, like a fish out of water. 
She said, what do you mean? I said, I feel like what I preach is not what everyone else preaches these days. I feel like there's a lot of pastors in the church today that have watered down the gospel because we don't want you to live holy. We want you to live your best life while you're breathing. We don't care whether you end up in eternity. We care whether or not you're blessed. And what, can I just say it, sidebar? Whether or not you're financially blessed enough so you can pour into the church. No wonder when I ask for tithes and offerings, half the church looks at me like I'm stupid. Because we have created a culture where it's live your best life now, not live a holy life so you can finish in eternity. We don't preach hell anymore. We don't preach salvation. We don't preach redemption. We just preach good. Just, just get in the good light. I'm sorry, but I'm not trying to be everybody's friend. I'm not trying to be everybody's buddy. I'm not trying to travel in the ministry circles. I'm not trying to preach cute so everybody can like me. I've got one mission, preach so that the kingdom of God can come so that when the trumpet sounds, we go up, not down. Amen. That's what the gospel says, but we don't even want to preach that anymore because we want you to be happy. We want you to feel cute. The light didn't come to make you feel cute. It came to change you, expose you, and turn you into something better than what you were. But for some reason, we're so lost in this place, and we just want to walk in the space of doing church. And, and I told her, I said, I feel like I'm a fish out of water because what I preach is not popular. It doesn't make the church grow. It actually makes people leave. Which is very hard as a pastor sometimes because you want your church to grow, but when you start declaring things that are uncomfortable, people go, oh, that's my, that's my point. I got to go. I got to leave. Why, why do you got to leave? Well, because, because it, doesn't, it doesn't touch me. It, it doesn't make me feel good about me. That's the problem. We spend too much time trying to feel good about ourselves rather than letting him become the feel good of our lives and let him satisfy our souls so that we're not caught up with the consumerism of churchdom but we're caught up in the eternal walk of being a kingdom-minded person, walking in the fullness and the eternity that Christ gives us. Uh, he says this, he says, for I know where I came from and where I'm going, but you don't know this about me. This is most believers. We've heard these things, but we don't know. He says, I know where I came from and where I'm going. Where he came from validates who sent him. Where we are going gives us a glimpse into the purpose and promise he has for our lives. And if you don't believe that, let me show you. In Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, it says this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless, empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. Look at verse 2. It says, the earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the, uh, darkness covered the, the, the deep waters. And, and God said, let there be light. Fast forward to John chapter 8. Jesus is now coming and declaring, I am the light. But Jesus is not saying, I'm the light to the physical planet of the earth. God already spoke that into existence. Jesus was not declaring he was the light to the planet. He was the light to the people of the earth. But just as God was declaring light to a formless, empty, dark place, now Jesus is declaring that same word over a formless, empty, dark people. He's speaking to a people that have walked away, and he says, I am the light of the world. And the only reason he can declare this is because he knows where he came from. He is the Son of God in flesh, for he is God in flesh. And he says, my Father spoke light into existence. Now he has brought light to the earth so that those in darkness can see again. He says, I am that light. Now formless is being formed, emptiness is being filled, and light is coming to darkness. And in case you were wondering where he's going, 
In Revelation chapter 21, verse 23, it says this, And the city has no need of sun or moon, for the glory of God illuminates the city, and the Lamb is its light. Ah, you're going to catch this in a second. We've been depending on everything else to illuminate our existence when Jesus is enough. Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. Jesus says, I came from my Father. And he says, in the end, when it's all said and done, no matter what you chase, I'm still going to be the light. You might think you need everything else, but I'm the one that's going to give you existence. You don't need the light that gives the, the light to give you existence. You need the light that gives you eternity. Jesus is saying, I've come to give form to the formless, fulfillment to those who are empty, and bring light into the dark places. These are the areas I have to deal with this morning. Because when I just say that Jesus says, I'm the light of the world, we go, huh? Huh? But once you read John chapter 1 and you understand what light does, then you understand what he came to do in your life. So let's start with number one. Number one, he, the light forms the formless. The light forms the formless. Form is defined as this. The manner or style of arranging, coordinating parts for a pleasing or effective result. Let me read it one more time because I read it kind of fast. The word form is defined as this. The manner or style of arranging and coordinating parts for a pleasing or effective result. Which makes me think this way. Outside a relationship with Jesus. A relationship of knowing him but not knowing him. Amen. Knowing of him, but not knowing him. We are way outside of what we were designed to be. We are formless. We are one-dimensional beings. In other words, we're believers with no depth. Have you ever gotten around people that claim God, but when you start to talk to them about God, you realize they really don't know God? Yeah. I love those people. Pastor, I go to church. Listen, can I just say this to you? Going to church is like saying I go to Walmart. Come on, work with me for a second. Pastor, I go to church. Really, let's talk about God. Well, I, I, I don't know where that scripture is. I, I, I don't know what, what, what that says. I, I, I don't know about, does it really say that? Does your Bible really say that? It's amazing to me how many times I'll preach something from the Word and people go, that's really in the Bible? Oh, yes, it's there. It's been there the whole time, thousands of years. It's still there. But for some reason, we, we don't understand anymore because we're not taking a deeper walk with God. We're taking a very surface walk with God, hoping that it will be enough. Do you understand that God did not call you to be a one-dimensional person? No, yes. God did not call you to be one-dimensional. He called you to walk in three-dimensions. He called you to be fulfilled. And that's what the light does. Light fills. It doesn't. Watch this. Do me a favor. Turn these lights off. Turn, turn all these lights up on top. Black me out. Ah, Pastor, it's dark. Somebody black out the screen behind me. Just put up a black screen. I need all the lights to go away. All of it. Go dark. You know what it's like when the lights go out? There we go. Praise the Lord. You can't see me. I can't see you. Amen. This is how we serve God. Man, I love the Lord. He heard my cry. Woo, God's good all the time. Well, we can't see you. I know you can't see me because we'd rather darkness than light because it's easier to not be seen. We hide out. We go in disguise. Uh, Pastor Dylan, you, ha you have that light. This is most believers in the church today. Oh, look, you, I can see you now, Pastor. I see you. The problem is you only see a part of me. You see the sight that's lit up, the side that I give God, but the not, you don't see the side that I won't give him. You see a portion of who I am, but you don't see the fulfillment of who I am. This is a church today. We show, him, we show the people what we want them to see rather than the fullness of who we are. I'll show you the good side of me, but I won't show you the scarred side of me. 
I'll show you what looks pleasant to the eye, but I won't show you the bruises of my existence because I don't want you to know that part. In fact, we treat God the same way where we show God what looks good rather than show God what we're really dealing with. And then God says, no, 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 I didn't call you to live one dimensional. I called you to live deeper. And so we let another light, Robert, give me that light. Oh, now I can see pastor's face. So watch as I've got Jesus, I've got the Holy Spirit. You can see me, right? Here's the funny part. I still can't see you. Let me just say this as a sidebar. Illumination did not come so that you could see what others were doing. Illumination came so you could only see what you were doing. Stop asking God to illuminate everyone else's existence and ask God to illuminate your existence. Stop saying, God, show me what they're doing. Ask God what you're doing in this hour. But he says, but Brian, I didn't even call you to live with this. I called you to live in three dimensions. Come here, Troy, give me the other light. There's a thing that we deal with when we film sometimes. It's called three lights. It's, it's a three-package light system. You can do for effect certain things. But watch this. The moment the light comes from up above behind me, it now gives me three dimensions. You see the depth of who I am, not just the flatness of my existence. Here's the thing. We want Jesus. We don't mind the Holy Spirit, but we eliminate the light behind us. And we wonder why we're not growing. Watch this. Watch this. Turn that light back off a second. And you're going to have to cycle it because go oh, just do it that way. That's fine. Here's the problem. I got Jesus. I got the comforter. Ooh, I like the comforter. He makes me feel good about myself. I got Jesus because I don't feel alone and don't feel isolated. And he came to, he came to bring me home. But I don't want the Godhead. Here, here's the problem. Depth does not come just in Jesus or the Holy Spirit. It comes when you finally get home to the Father. I'm trying to help you with this. And I say this all the time, and I know this is very contrary uh, theology because we want to make it all about Jesus. But just so you know, Jesus is not the end all. Jesus was the reconciliation. Jesus was the bring you home. Bring you home to what? The Father. But we don't want this part because this part makes us be deep. I've always wondered, God, why are people in the church not deeper in the things of you? And he said, because they don't want me. They just want the comforter and the brother, but they don't want the father. And the father requires a greater depth. The father requires a greater knowledge. The father creates a greater, greater pursuit for the things of him. Why is it that we just want to live one dimensional? Turn your light off. Turn your light off for a second. This is how we're in the church now. Can you see me now? Well, Pastor, I really can't see you. Well, turn that light down for a second. I just want to be in the dark. But on Sunday mornings, boy, I'll show the light. On Sunday mornings, I'll demonstrate who I am. On Sunday mornings, I'll just give them what Jesus came to give me. Give me that light, Dylan. I'll just give them that one. I hope that's enough. I hope they see me for who I am. The world sees you. But so does God. Give me the lights back on. Now that your eyes are all diminished, and you all go like this when the lights come on, that's what the light was meant to do. It was called to make you look differently, to make you see differently, not just to see what you've always seen. There's a, there's a reason why light bothers us. Y'all can sit down now. There's a reason why the light bothers us, because we don't want to be illuminated. Because if you illuminate, it'll expose. See, when you turn on all the lights around me, turn the screen on behind me, I'm not a skinny guy. I'm a hefty dude. But here's the funny part about it. I'm still fearfully and wonderfully made in his image. I'm not concerned 
with what the world thinks about me. I'm not concerned with my existence. I'm not concerned with the futile things of my own personal life. I'm consumed by what he wants to do in me and through me. The light forms the formless. You can have a one-dimensional life. You can play church on Sunday. You can tell everybody you're a child of God. You can tell, But until you are willing to let him illuminate your entire existence, you will not see the fulfillment of everything he is in your life. I'm asking God on a daily basis, illuminate my existence. Don't illuminate my wife. Don't illuminate my children. Illuminate me. Let me see the depth of who I am. God, let me go deeper than where I've been. Listen, if all you ever, God, I'm trying not to go here. If all you ever do is wait for Sunday for me to preach, you're not a believer. You're just an attender. Well, I got to get to church so I can hear a good sermon. I got to get to church so I can sing my few songs and drop my tithe in the bucket so God will receive me. Can I just say this to you as a sidebar? God will not receive you for those things. But he says, but those who believe, those who endure till the end shall be saved. We don't want to talk about this. We just want to say, well, but God, I went to church. God, I sang the songs they put up on the screen. I clapped my hands. Even though I was off beat, I still clapped. God, I did all the things. I even listened to pastor preach. But what did you do with the word when you walked out? Well, I left it in my chair so I could come back and get my place next week. I left my reserve sign. So I knew where to come back and find what I got last week so I could pick up where I left off. God said, I didn't call you to pick up where I left off. I called you to carry where you went. How can you show the light if you can't let the light in? Let him illuminate who you are so you can change the world around you. God says, shut up, quit talking, and just reflect me. Shine your light. Here's the crazy part. I don't have to walk in and announce I'm a preacher. I don't have to walk in and go, hey, I'm a pastor. The light that's on the inside of me causes people to question who I am. When there's something in you that I don't have, what is it? Who is it? There was a, there was a young lady, a, a young lady, we were at McAllister's last week. And, was it last week? Maybe we were at McAllister's and we're sitting there. And this is always awkward because this light is a small town. I don't know if y'all realize that. It's a really small town. And I'm sitting at McAllister's trying to eat with a family. And a young lady comes around the corner and she's like, Are you a, are you a pastor? Yes. I said, do I know you? She said, yeah, you talked to me at the drive-thru at McDonald's where I used to work. It's been a while back. It's been almost a year ago. What happened was it was her birthday, and I was pulling through the drive-thru, and I saw her, and she had a little pin with all the dollar bills on it. So I gave her like a $10 bill to pay for the bill, and I said, you know what? Put the rest of that money on your little thing. <gasps> That's so nice. Then she looked at me. She goes, this is in the drive-thru at McDonald's. She goes, can I ask you a question? I said, yeah. She goes, are you a preacher? That was the first time she asked me that question at a McDonald's over a year ago. She said, are you a preacher? I said, uh, yeah. What makes you say something about you? I just knew it, something. I just knew something was about you. And so a conversation went on. I was like, well, where do you go to church? She goes to a church here. Look, I said, it's awesome. Stay plugged in. Keep growing. Don't quit. I drove on about my business. A year later, I'm in McAllister. She's like, you're, you're a pastor. I said, we've met before, haven't we? She said, yeah, McDonald's, she had changed her hair, amen. And, and, and I said, I thought that was you. I knew I recognized the voice. She's like, you're doing good? I said, yeah. Here's, here's my question to you. When was the last time somebody identified you by who you follow, not where you're going? When was the last time somebody looked at you in the face and said, I see God in you. I don't see you. I see the one who's in you. If, God, if they don't see the one that's in us, then we are not a light. We have turned it off. 
or we only turn it on on Sundays because that's what we do when we go to church. Here's this little light of mine. I'm going to let it shut up. Put it out. <laughs> you ever listen to the words of that song? Hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to look it. Don't let it out. Man, if you got a light that the enemy can blow out, that is not a light. Yeah, I'm just telling you. If you got a light, then you go, oh, there it went. Oh, oh, I guess I'm done. Oh, I got to go back and get Jesus light by light again. The word says that he's an all-consuming fire, which means if God dwells in me, when I walk in the room, it better change all the temperature of the room because a bonfire doesn't just affect you. It affects everybody. Anybody ever lit a bonfire before? Anybody got real close to a bonfire? I feel like you're next to the sun. It's really bad. One night, I'll tell you this real quick story. It's not a good story, but it's 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 a scary story. But I gotta tell you, I, I was stupid. I was stupid. Hey, your pastor was stupid. Amen. Uh, we had cut a bunch of trees down at our old house, and and when we had a mound, but when I tell you that sucker was like ten feet, it was huge. I had them all pinned up like this. I had it ready to roll, but it had rained, and it wasn't getting dry enough quicker. So what do you do when it's wet? I heard a word over here. You put what on it? gasoline praise the lord and my stupid behind didn't just put a little bit of gasoline i was like and, and i was like okay we're gonna light this thing my wife's inside the house and i go okay i'm far enough away i know i didn't trail gas back so i'm far enough away and I, I chuck it into the light right took a little light threw it into there whoosh all i remember is i heard a noise i turned sideways the flame came all the way around me and i went oh god my wife's in the kitchen. She could hear the sound of the fire going up. When the fire came down, all the hairs on my leg were curled up in little balls. My arm hairs were gone. It was the quickest way to shave ever. Okay? But this is the point. God says, I want you to burn like that. But we keep going, can this be the match? The problem with a match is, is that it only has an existence that is as deep or as long as the stick is. God says, I didn't call you to be a match. I called you to be a fire that takes more than just you or the enemy to put it out. But why is it we won't let that burn is because we won't let the light shine in us because we'd rather stay in darkness. We'd rather be one-dimensional, but being formed by the, by the one who created light makes us better than what we were. What if you had to live your life playing the masquerade game, only showing a dimension of who you are rather than letting the world see the completeness of who you are? People ask me all the time, why do you tell everybody your past? Because it forms me. For the word says, I'm an overcomer by the blood of the lamb and the word of my past. Because that is my testimony. It's where he saved me from. I, I, am, I am convinced that once the light came in, it's like I don't have to hide my ignorance. I get to tell the world how stupid I really was. And if the world judges me for it, then the light of the world is not living in them yet. Because if they let the light of the world live in them, they'd join me on the stage and go, I was stupid too. And God showed me how stupid I was. And so let's join the club of stupid. Come on, work with me for a second. Because what we try to do is we try to portray to everybody that we've got it all together. I don't have it all together. I have to seek the one that does to help me get it all together. He has the light. This is the light that we need. The light of the world forms us and eventually finishes the work he started in us. Help me help you real quick. The work that he started in us is not finished by you getting just to eternity. The work is finished by what you do with the light while you're here. If I gave everybody a flashlight today and I said, go home with the flashlight, but keep it burning, would you replace the batteries or do you just let it die? 
this is how oh, I want to go. I want to go invest in it. I want to go buy a new battery. This is not my flashlight. It's Pastor's flashlight. I didn't buy the flashlight. He bought the flashlight. It's not my flashlight. Jesus came into your life, gave you a light. How much is it still? Is it still burning at the same brightness it was the day He gave it to you? Because if it's not, then you're not maintaining the light. You're just letting the light go dim. No wonder the world doesn't follow you when you say you're a churchgoer. Yeah, we see the real you. The light of the world forms us and eventually finishes the work he started in us. Number two, the light fills the empty places. John 10 10 says this, the thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I've come that you may have life and that you might have it more abundantly. You don't, I don't know if this is a, a weird thing for me to say to you, but, but I just need to say this to you. Did you know that you don't need Jesus to enjoy life? Woo, did you just say that? Pastor, that's contrary. How many people have you met that don't have Jesus or they're having a great time? You ever wondered? We, we've, talked, we've joked about this. Why is it that the people that are going to hell seem like they got a great life? We're just robbing Peter to pay Paul. We're trying to make it through. We're trying not to lose our minds. We're dealing with health issues and financial issues, but these people just got to, but they're going to hell. Amen? You know what I'm saying, which you maybe have thought at times? How do the people, celebrities, and have all these millions and blah, 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 and they, they're, yeah, hell's going to be real hot when it's over. You don't have to be a believer to enjoy life. Did you know you don't even have to be a believer to enjoy a good steak? You don't have to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength for that steak to taste good. You can be running straight face forward into hell and steak still tastes good. You can hate God and enjoy your steak. You don't have to be a believer to enjoy a relaxing moment on the beach, although there in my life is no relaxing moment on the beach because white doesn't do well under sun. I tell people all the time, I hate the sun. There's only one sun I love. That's the son of God. The other one, he, you can go somewhere. Amen. Because this brother burns. I don't, I don't tan. I don't go brown. I go red, purple, and then go right back to white again. That's me. Amen. Amen. Dylan's worse than I am, so y'all pray for him. Amen. <laughs> you don't have to be any of those things to you and enjoy life. But in order to experience the fullness, the three-dimensional experience, the fullness of your walk as a believer, then you have to be willing to let the light in. You must have the light of the world without him being the light of your world. You can only experience the good things, but never the fullness that God has intended for you to experience. I don't understand. Some people say, I've got a great life, but there's no light. Pastor, my life is great. My life is wonderful. We are on Facebook and Instagram. My light is great. My light is wonderful. Yeah, because that's what you only tell people. But when they see the fullness of who you are, then you become somebody that can be a leader or somebody that's worthy of being something better than what you've been. I, I, there's a reason why I tell you my past. There's a reason why I tell you my struggles. I, and it's, it's, kind of, it's kind of a two-part process. Part of it's to weed out the, the religious folk. Because the moment I say I've been to jail four different times, people go, oh, got to go. Bye. Because if my past determines my future, you'll never listen in this house. And if my past determines my future, my God, I'd hate to see yours. Because most people are running because they're not willing to be exposed. Listen, Jesus came to expose you. I hate to break this to you. Jesus came to expose you. Expose your crud, expose your junk, expose your sin so you can finally live in the light that he has for you. But you got to determine whether or not you're willing to live that way. You got to decide whether it's not you're really going to live for God. This is where my preaching becomes unpopular. 
because nobody wants to hear this message anymore. Everybody wants me to tell you, you know what? Just let the comfortable light of Jesus in. Let the cozy, warm light of Jesus. And if you feel, if you feel bad, it's not Jesus, it's the devil. Man, sometimes the light of God hurts. It bow, God, why did you do that? Because I'm trying to show you something I need to get you out of. God, why you got to show? Why has everybody got to see that? Because you're not showing them what I did for you through the process. You're hiding it because you're afraid of the judgment of the world rather than the promise of me. But God, why do you, God, why do you want me to show my backside? Don't show my times I kicked it when you were acting stupid. Come on, anybody ever had a butt kicking from the Lord? I've, I've had it multiple times. Amen. It's not fun. Okay, so, so this is that process. That we're, not, we're not stepping into that place. We're not willing to let him fulfill that place. We're not letting him fill the empty places of our lives. We're saying, God, surface coat me, but don't deal with the interior. Put up a new facade, but don't change the inside. Don't call it a house remodeling if you didn't change the interior. Just because you change the outside doesn't mean the inside is affected. You got to let him in. I've seen a lot of houses like garbage on the outside, but when you walk in that house, it's like, man, this is awesome. I've seen a lot of houses, I'd like, I'd never move here. And then I walk in the house, I'm like, my God, I'll use this one as a case in point. I, I, not because I said I would, I would never live there, but you, I, and I'm, I don't hope they don't mind me doing this. The Santos' house. You walk out of the house, it's just, it's just normal. It's a normal house. It's a plain house. You walk inside, you're like, my God, I want to leave. Kitchen is immaculate. They have a couch in there that I would buy for my house tomorrow. I'm like, man, I could just hang out in the, this is cool. But you would have never expected it walking in. You would have never expected all the investment they placed in. Let me help you with something. If you're not willing to let the light in, don't ever expect the world to see you for who you are. Come on, let's be honest. We hide in a masquerade game. We play a game where you can't see me. You, you know, we see you. And so does God. You got to let the light not only Fill the empty places, but you got to let it stay in the empty places. Dark places were never meant to stay in your life. God says, I've come to illuminate the dark places so that you might live. I was, I was watching something one day uh, a couple years ago. Tom Brady uh, probably, and, and, and don't get caught up. I'm not down in Drew Brees and your beloved saints and all that great stuff. But Tom Brady will probably be ranked as one of the top quarterbacks ever in the NFL. I can say that very willing. I can say it. Okay. So there was an interview on 60 Minutes years ago. This was after he won his third Super Bowl ring. And he says, he says uh, why do I have three Super Bowl rings and think there's still something greater out there for me? I mean, maybe a lot of people would say, hey, man, I reached my goal, my dream, my life. But me, I think, God, it's got to be more than this. I mean, this isn't, this can't be what it's all cracked up to be. This is a verbatim conversation that Tom Brady, who has seemingly has everything, is saying to the interviewer at 60 Minutes. He says, everything looks like I have everything, but is this really the culmination of my existence? Three Super Bowl rings, woo. And it wasn't that he was chasing another one. He was saying, is this the value of my life that all I'm known for is three Super Bowl rings? All I'm known for is throwing a football. All I'm known for is being that guy that has a championship team numerous occasions. Is this every, no, he says, no, there's got to be more to my existence than this. And I take this to the same place. Is, is, is church all there is to your existence? Is waking up on a Sunday morning and deciding whether the weather is good or bad enough for you to get up and go to the house of the Lord? Is all of that the only thing of your existence? Or does it show up on a Monday where God gets to demonstrate his power in your life and manifest himself through you so that he can show himself through you so everything that you've been declaring is now coming to pass? 
Is it just the moments you live in or is it the existence that you have in him? Let's be honest. Tom Brady, for real, he's richer than you. Some of you don't want to admit to that. Yes, whether you like it or not, he is way richer than you. He's better looking than you. I'm going to fight that one. Okay, go ahead. In all case, tense, and purposes, he's living every man's fantasy. I said it. I look, after last, I said last week, I might as well stay on par this week. If you were here last week, you know what I'm talking about. He's married to a victorious secret model. Ooh, so am I. Amen. Don't look at me like I'm stupid right now. I just said what you wanted to say. Amen. He, according to the world, he's got everything. He's got houses, plural. He can wake up one morning and go, mm, I'm going to do nothing because he's got millions in the bank. He's got it all together, right? He does, right? Come on, work with me. You might seek somebody else, but, but that's the one I'm going to use for this morning. You go, my God, he's got everything. But so do you. But, but so do you. Because in all of that, Tom said, there's got to be more than just this. I mean, this isn't, this can't be what it's all cracked up to be. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11 says this. He, God, has planted eternity in the human heart. Only what is eternal can fill the gap that is eternity. Only the light can fill the void of life. Only light can fill the void of life. Multiple super rings, a supermodel wife, all the money in the world. It will never fill the gap of eternity. Nothing can fill the emptiness that only he can. Please let me say this to you. And I say this to people all the time. People go, we need a better job. We need more money. You only need more money because you want to spend more money. Let me help you with something. I hate to break this to you because money doesn't solve the problem. If you think money solves the problem, then God is not your God. Your money is. If you're chasing money and not chasing God, then you have blocked the favor of God in your life. Therefore, when your money comes, it gets blown away with the wind. People go, no, pastor, I need a better job. How many times have you changed jobs? How many times have you gotten the job and said, look how good God blessed me and then changed the job? As if God changed his mind on the job he gave you the first time. But, but God called me to favor. God didn't give you the favor. You broke doors down and kicked people out the way to get the favor. And you said, look at God. God said, I didn't do that. And then when it doesn't work in your favor, you walk out of that job to go find another job because you're disenfranchised with the moment. Well, there's got to be something better. So let me go kick another door down. Let me get it. No, this is what I'm trying to say. God fulfills everything in your life. Everything. Ever. Jesus everything and if you fulfill it it's not him it's you so don't get mad at him when it doesn't work out in your favor god i don't understand why because i didn't give it to you in the first place you gave it to yourself god i i need a raise i'm changing jobs instead of staying faithful to the one you're at so the promotion can come so that your integrity can ride you out the door rather than your willingness to quit he who endures till the end shall be saved. Ah, I, maybe it's the same process in the things with God. When God doesn't give us what he wants, we change gods. And I'm not talking about Muhammad and going to Islam or doing something else. I'm talking about we change gods because anything that exalts itself above God is your God. If I wake up in the morning and I chase money before I chase God, then money's become my God. If Let me say this to you. I wake up in the morning and chase people's opinion on social media before I chase God, then Facebook and Instagram have become my God. 
you've become my God and you can't be my God because you're not going to be at the gates getting me in. I hope you make it to the gates, but I'm going to be standing there and I'm not going to be looking for you. I'm looking for the one that called me by name, by his purpose and to his marvelous light. That's the one I'm looking for. I'm not looking for, I'm looking for him. But here's the problem. We we don't do this anymore. We're not waiting on him to be enough. We're waiting for us to be enough. Because culture today is not enough. Because we've been told we're not enough. We'll never be enough. You can be cute, funny, skinny, whatever, supermodel, rich. It doesn't matter. You'll never be enough. Because just when you have what you think you're missing, it's not enough. Just when you have enough money in the bank, it's not enough. Just when you have the house you've always wanted, it's not enough. Just when you get the car you've always wanted, you start looking at other cars because you want the next grade up. It's the way we always are. And God says, this is the problem. When I become your light, when I come to expose the dark places, when I come and fulfill who you are, you stop chasing all these things and you just chase me and if you just chase me i will become your everything and what you want i'll place in front of you because i'm the giver of all things but what we do is go no god you're just good on sundays you'll be my good on sundays but on mondays i'll make it happen on tuesdays i'll make it happen on wednesdays i might it might be a midweek kick so you know i have small groups i'll go there and you'll make it happen then i'll Get back into the confines of my own existence and make it happen for me. Mm. Can I give you one more before I send you home? Number three, the light exposes the darkness. I don't know if you realize this, but there are no secrets from Jesus. If you've ever wondered if you can run into your house and lock the door and he can't get in, he's already in by the time you lock that door. The Bible says he's omnipresent. He's everywhere. You think he doesn't see you? You think he doesn't know? You think he doesn't grieve? Do you think he doesn't pray over you? Do you think he doesn't want something better for you? The light exposes the darkness. He is the light, and so in him, darkness does not exist. And I need to say this to you before I read this next scripture. If darkness darkness exists in you, then you have not let the light in yet. And the reason you haven't let the light in is because it is not enough of where he's come from and where he's going. Psalms 139, verse 11 through 12, it says this, I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night. But even in darkness, I cannot hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. You ever read that one before? That one messed me up the first time I read it, so let me read it one more time to you. I could ask the darkness to hide me. I've done it. I could ask the sin to hide me and the light around me to become night. But even in darkness, I can't hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. There are no secrets of God. Jesus said, I didn't just come to give form to the formless or to fill your empty existence. I came to expose the things you hide. If somebody said to me, you ever felt like you don't get away with anything? You ever felt like that? God, it's like I'm serving you. I can't get away with nothing. Yeah. Because the moment you invite the light in, darkness can't exist in the same place. 
And it's not God exposing you because he hates you. He exposes you because he loves you, because he wants you to finish the race he set before you. But you can't finish it as a one-dimensional character. you got to finish it in the three dimensions that he's put over you, and you got to finish the race, finish the race, finish the race. So he allows you not to get away with things so that you don't die in the stuff you keep putting yourself in the middle of. There are no secrets. You can't run into your house and shut the lights off and somehow disappear from God. It's like playing peekaboo with your child, throwing a sheet over your head as if your child doesn't know that you're still under that sheet. Like for some reason, we think our kids think we disappeared. It's, it's the dumbest thing. I, I, I've always wondered, and when I played that with my kids, they probably were thinking when they couldn't speak, they're like, he is really dumb. <laughs> he keeps throwing this sheet over his head. I still see him. I just don't see his face. And he goes, peekaboo. And I'm laughing. The baby's laughing because they're going, help him, Lord. <laughs> My dad thinks he's disappearing. Somebody touch him. We do the same thing with God. We throw a sheet over our head. Like, you can't see me. God's going, I'm under the sheet with you. Because I don't just go when it's good. I go when it's bad. I go when you try to hide. And I try to convince you to come out of the darkness. I try to convince you to run away and stay in the light. Stay in the light. Stay in the light. Troy, give me that flashlight real quick. Um, Rodney, come here real quick. I need all the lights off for one more second. Yeah. Just, just stay right there, Rod. You can leave the screen on behind me. I just, I just need the lights in the house off. Turn those big ones off. Now, now Rodney, I'm going to illuminate you. Now, if you're behind Rodney, you're going to go blind for a second. I'm sorry. But, Rodney, I need you with everything you've got to try to get away from the light. Now, if that's as fast as you're going to run, now, I need you to get away from the light. That means you're going to have to move, bro. Now, see, here's the thing. It don't matter where Rodney. Now, Rodney would have to. I still see you, Rodney. Get him right up. I still see you. You're not that good, bro. And see, you think this is what God's doing. but here's what God really does. Go ahead, Rodney, get away from the light. Go ahead, Rodney, get away from the light. Rodney, go away. Run, run, Rodney, run. Run, Rodney, run. Rodney! Now, see, here's the thing. I still got Rodney. See, here's the thing. You think God's not chasing you. You think God's not following you? Why does he do this to you? God, just leave me alone. God says, I can't. Because I can't unwrite my promises. I can't unwrite my blessings. And when you try to get out of the way of the light, I'll just make it bigger. Because there's no place you can go that I can't find you. Because I've come to expose your darkness so you never have to wonder again. Go ahead, go back to your seat. I still got you. Just so I don't blind everybody around you. Pastor, I don't want to be lit up like that. Why not? Because I don't want anybody, I don't want to be that close to God. Turn the lights back on. I don't want God to be that close to me. I just want to visit him on Sundays. I want to play visitation hours on a Sunday morning. No, 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 no. You cannot walk in this room, declare God's goodness in the earth, sing his praises, listen to the word, and walk out and not be illuminated. Are you crazy? That's nuts. That is nuts. We have to choose to be illuminated by who he is and let him light not only who we are and light the darkness, but light our way. There is no hiding place from God. He is your hiding place. Last scripture, Pastor Ben, come on. Psalm 32, verse 1 through 5, it says this. Oh, what joy is for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives excuse me, are lived in complete honesty. 
When I refused to confess my sins, my body was wasted away, and I groaned all day. Can I get an amen from somebody? I don't know about you, but I remember when I was a sinner. Boy, it wasn't as much fun as I thought it was. Pastor, sin was fun. Sin was great. In fact, I'm still doing it so much fun. You better stop because it says sin's only for a season. Then you're going to have to answer. Verse 4 says, day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. (gasps) No, not God. Your arms of love, your outstretched loving arms held me. No, sometimes God will discipline your happy little behind. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Finally, finally, I confessed all of my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord and you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. Can I just say this as a sidebar? I am a sinner. And confession frees me. People go, Pastor, why do you tell everybody? Because it makes me free. Why do I tell you when I've made mistakes? Because it sets me free. Because I don't have to go home and hide it back in the dark corner I was trying to keep it in. What it does is it exposes the corner so I don't have to live with the darkness. The light came to give you form when you were created formless. The light came to fill the empty place in your life. To fulfill the voids of other people and things. To show you there's no greater love than the love of God. You know, I used to think that I was a youth pastor. I used to think, man, I have a wife. I'm going to feel it all. And, and, and having a wife has been an amazing blessing. But it still didn't fulfill the love that only God could give. I thought, man, I get a wife and everything's going to be, whoo. I didn't find out how much I needed God until I got married. No, and that's not a, that's not a, that's not a, a jerk statement. Because I realized that there were deficiencies in Brian that had not been exposed yet. And when she came alongside me into my life, I found out there were things in me that I had not let God have. And I thought as a youth pastor, God, you got all of me. You got everything that I am. And God goes, no, I really sent you a wife so I could expose you. I didn't just send you a wife so you could tiptoe through the tulips and be happy. I sent you a a helpmate so she could expose the places I've been trying to get to in your life. So that you could be made whole, so that together you could be made whole. So that scripture that says when the two are come together, they have now become one and no man can tear them apart. She was the missing to my existence. Y'all heard the statement? She was the rib that completed me. She fulfilled that space in me. It's not what made me better. It's what exposed me because God dwelled in her. And because God dwelled in her, the illumination was so much greater that it changed me. And I pray that that's what I've done for her. I've not done it perfectly. I cannot be honest with you. I've, I've pulled the flashlight out at moments to expose her struggles. Rather than just expose my own. Well, babe, you should have done it like this. You should have done it like this. You should have done it like this. And then God goes, but what have you done? And he goes both ways. Don't get it twisted. It doesn't just happen from a man to a woman. It happens from a woman to a man too. Everybody wants to go, preach, pastor, preach. Ah, put that finger right here. Just put it right back. Put it back. It's not healthy to do that. 
The light of the world didn't come to give me a great house. It didn't come to give me a great family. The light of the world didn't come to give me great kids and a great wife. The light of the world came so that greatness could shine in me. And no matter where you go, I'm okay. There is no darkness. He fills the empty place. I have to say this to you. There are those of you in this room this morning that are hiding things. There are things that you are hiding. And I have to say this because I felt this this morning I was getting ready. There are those of you in this room that are hiding things because you're afraid if somebody knows the truth about you, you'll never be the same. Let the world know the truth. And you live with the truth. For the Bible says the truth (laughs) will set you free. The biggest thing that the light did for me was expose my lying. (laughs) This is not easy to do. I have lied more than I've told truths in my life. I've hurt people. I was afraid if they only knew who I really was, they'd never love me. And then God brought me my wife. I lied because I was afraid of abuse. I lied because I was afraid of not being enough. I lied because I didn't like who I was. I didn't like the shell I was in. I didn't like my existence. I didn't want to tell everybody my hell, my home was hell. I wanted everybody to think I had a great life. I got so conditioned to making up stories that I just kept doing it. And I became a youth pastor. And I'm not saying that I lied as a youth pastor, but I lived with the lies. Then I married my wife, and in the beginning of the church, and I don't mind exposing this, in the beginning of the church, I hid things from her because I was afraid of disappointing her. I'm supposed to be the provisionary of my home. I'm supposed to take care of my wife and my kids, and the finances in the church were killing us. We were going under quicker than we were going up. And you go, but that's not the hand of God. No, Brian had stuff in his life that needed to come out. And I tried to hide it until one day God exposed it through her. And all of a sudden, all this truth had to come out. And I'll be honest with you, at that moment, I felt worthless. But that's because all of my worth was in the stories rather than in him. All of my worth was in hiding the secrets. And God says, I'm sending you this moment, not because I'm trying to hurt you, Brian, although it's painful. I'm sending you through this moment so I can make you whole. And I'm not going to give you all the details of what happened, but we made a promise. that No matter what the pain, the truth would always win. And that hurts, man. Can you all work with me for just a second? Be honest with me for just a second. It hurts sometimes. Because we go, well, I can just say it this way, and it, nobody will know that. No, but God does. He still knows. You're not saving anybody. You're only hurting yourself. You're holding on to secrets of the past, secrets of pain. You don't want anybody to know, but you won't even put them in the hand of God. I'm not saying you got to come up to the altar and confess them this morning, but can you just at least give them to Jesus and let him illuminate that space in you so that you can really walk out of this place changed? 
whether there's addictions or bondage or struggles or lies or hypocrisies or or just you've made mistakes, just let God have them. Don't come up here and say, God changed my life, but let me take these things back to my seat. God, change me. Shift me. Make me. Mold me. Change me. Do your greatest work in me. All right, let me give you one more. I know I'm supposed to have time, but TC, come here. You knew I was coming for you, so come here. I mean, I know TC. If you don't know TC personally, you know him because of the news. TC was a sheriff here in our local city, our community, in our, in our parish. TC had some struggles. TC had some demons that came to kill him, came to destroy him and his family and his children. And one day, it all fell apart. It all fell apart. TC's been with me for years. One day, his face got thrown up all over the news. His family got thrown up all over the news. And the world wanted to point fingers at him. Not only did they want to point fingers at him, but they even started to question the integrity of his own parents. The guilt, the shame. Pastor, what do I do? Stand up, lift your head, and just face every accuser and understand that through all of this, God will still get the victory. In the process of him going through all that, he didn't hide from the church. He ran into the house of God. Pastor, but, but he's, he's defiled. So are you. And God's still working. Truth? Still working. See, here's the funny thing. This will go on Facebook today. And all you naysayers that sat on social media sites and blasted this young man, get ready. The ones that went on Concerned Citizens of St. Tammany and blasted this young man because they read a little bit of information on him, on, the, on, the, on the, what people posted, rather than getting to know who this young man is. Condemned him and his family and the parasite. Just went to town on him, shot him down, made all their assumptions, and yet he still says God. And he said, Pastor, it's going to be hard to forgive them. Let them go. They don't matter in the grand scheme of this existence. They don't decide whether you make it to heaven or not. They can say what they want to say, but let the light consume you. So then he has to go to rehab. He goes to rehab, and all the guys are like, man, how are you getting through this? How are you making it through this? Man, we come in here with struggles every week, but you come in here all happy and bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. You know what he says to them all the time? I need a God. I'm just going to let God do his work in me. Does that mean you don't struggle? No. <laughs> Does that mean you don't have moments where you question but the Bible says his grace is sufficient and his mercies but you are new every morning. But you can't get that until you let the light in. TC's always been a position-minded person. Now he only talks to me about purpose. He calls me and goes, Pastor, can we arrange a schedule sometime? I can just come work at the church. Why? I don't know. I just want to be there. I just feel like I need to. Because he's drawn to the light. The light pulls you out of dark places. And places you into places that will take you places you never thought you could go. That's what the light does this morning. It's time for him to become the light of the world. Everybody stand to your feet.